he's two games into hopefully a long career at Freho, so definitely didn't um, get him to the club with a short-term vision. We've got a long-term vision, and you know, watching his game pretty closely, I think he's creating some uh, a lot of opportunities for himself. He's, he's probably just not finishing his opportunities off like he would like and we would like. A lot of different phases of our game plan are looking a little bit clunky at the moment. You know, we'd like to finish off our work a little bit better in, in our front half, and I think that'll make our, our ball movement look a lot better. So, you know, we're two rounds into a long season. We need to stay the process. Fremantle coach Justin Longmuir, of course, speaking after his team's 0-2 start to the season. Uh, quite unimpressive against St Kilda in round one. They were more impressive in the final quarter against North Melbourne, but came up a point short against the Kangaroos, of course, with that uh, that line ball finish right at the end. Joining me on the show is Code Sports' Eliza Riley, who tracks the Dockers through the season. Eliza, welcome. Morning, Duff. Um, how are you enjoying this southwest? It's great. I, uh, as I've said a number of times on the show so far, um, spent three years in Bunbury. Really love the place. Um, have a lot of good friends down here and a lot of fond sporting memories down here, Eliza. The uh, the South Bunbury 1984 Premiership is the only Premiership I ever played in, so uh, it's a it's a very fond sporting memory for me. Hey, um, how are the Dockers looking this week? How's the mood in the camp? Yeah, I think it's one of just pretty similar to last week. Just this desperation to sort of bounce back and. We expected a bit of a response against North Melbourne, um, whereas what we what we actually got on the night was a very similar sort of game and very similar result um, to what happened against St Kilda round one. And you know, there's definitely some questions being asked at the Dockers. There's a lot of external um, questions being asked of the Dockers and criticism coming their way. So it seems like there's just an absolute desire to, to prove everyone wrong um, this weekend. But it's, you know, it's going to take a bit to do that, I think, because the Eagles have a bit of confidence now coming off a win. So there's been a bit of noise this week that after the suggestion that he would miss until at least round four, Nathan Fife may play this week. What are you seeing? And do you think he gets named in the team to play on Sunday? Yeah, it's a bit of a 180 from Fremantle. Obviously, Justin in his post-match press conference on Saturday night um, suggested Nat would miss at least sort of two weeks and there needed to be a bit of a, um, you know, rest and recovery phase for that plantar fasciitis he's experiencing with his foot. But now the Dockers have backflipped on that um, initial prognosis and uh, sort of suggesting he is a sneaky chance to play this weekend. Um, but personally, you know, the Dockers are going to have their main training session tomorrow behind closed doors at Optus Stadium, so we won't really get a um, look at whether he does train and if he does, what he sort of gets up to on the track. But I tend to think with a foot issue like this, we know how debilitating it can be that... You know, it's probably best for Nat um, short-term and long-term recovery for him to sort of sit out this week and give it that extra recovery because it's a long season ahead. And given the state of Fremantle's forward line and even their midfield, you want him to be right to have an impact, even though he didn't in round one. Luke Jackson's been strongly criticised. Of course, there was a there was a big back page story in the West Australian with uh, um, the flippant. I, I would have call, I would call it that's probably the best thing you could call it. Comment about how much he was being paid per mark. But um, how do you think he's likely to respond to that? And how is the club responding around him? I think you need to look at Fremantle's um, social media from yesterday, and you know it's. Um, 
it wasn't the most direct sort of response, but there was a bit of um, feedback towards that back page where the Dockers posted a lot of photos of um, Luke marking the ball at training, marking contested um, in some, you know, sort of one-on-one drills and marking on um, one of those, you know, launch pads. Um, and I think the Dockers caption was something along the lines of working on it. So the Dockers have obviously decided, you know, to, to go high and sort of going low back at that sort of criticism. Um, but I think the only way Luke can respond is to come out and prove that is wrong. Um, he obviously hasn't had, you know, an impact in his first two games, but it's a long season ahead and he's not exactly been the only problem um, in those first two rounds of the season. So, you know, if Luke has it in him, he should really come out and absolutely dominate the derby and put these downers to rest. And I'm sure that's what he hopes to do. It's just a matter of whether um, he can put himself in a position to. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because this is a good game, I think, for Luke Jackson and Sean Darcy. We know that Sean Darcy won the the Glendinning Allen medal in the last um, Western Derby. And as I said at the top of the show, um, the big decision for Adam Simpson, I think, is going to be what sort of ruck battery he goes in with. We know that he got away with playing Jake Waterman in that role as the backup ruckman last week. I I don't see that happening um, against Sean Darcy and Luke Jackson. If Luke Jackson gets against Jake Waterman... Whatever Luke Jackson's issues are in the forward line, I think Luke Jackson's going to have a big game in the ruck. So um, there may be an opportunity here for Luke to to get a bit of a build into his season, I think. Oh, definitely. The problem the Eagles have is Callum Jamison um, injured his ankle in a waffle match on the weekend. So he's expected to miss one to two weeks. So they don't have the option of bringing him back into the side. So if they want some extra ruck depth, they're going to have to um, get a bit creative. Um, we know Oscar Allen's done it in the past, but I tend to think, you know, he's sort of, we want to um, put him in cotton wool and sort of keep him up forward where, where he's just sort of working back from a very long-term injury. So, I don't know, you could um, bring in someone like Harry Barnett who's had an interrupted pre-season in his first year, of course, at the Eagles, but that would be a bit of a risk as well. Yeah, I reckon Harry Edwards might be the one, Eliza. He just he's a he's a two hundred centimetre backman. I know that he's predominantly played back. If any kid has done a tough apprenticeship in footy, it's Harry Edwards because he's only ever come into the team when McGovern and or Barras have been missing. He's often had to come in and, and play keep defensive roles on flat out guns, and he may be pitchforked into this Western Derby to play against Darcy and Jackson in the ruck. So it's been a real baptism of fire over three or, or so seasons for Harry Edwards, and it may continue on Sunday, depending on how Simpson goes at uh, selection. An interesting selection one with Fremantle for me, Eliza, is... The preference of Ethan Hughes on the wing to to any of their young midfielders. How are you tracking Neil Erasmus, Matt Johnson, even Carl Warner, um, and obviously Nathan O'Driscoll coming back from injury? Do you see one of them slotting into that wing position anytime soon? I think starting with Nathan O'Driscoll, who we knew sort of held down that position last year um, in finals, and is a real sort of X factor, um, I think, for Fremantle in the way he can sort of kick you know, miraculous goals from the pocket and um, do things that other footballers can't with that left boot of his. Um, he has obviously, like you mentioned, had the interrupted pre-season with a hot spot in his foot and he has sort of worked his way back through the waffle now, but he has sort of looked 
slightly rusty, I might say, at training, um, just in terms of hitting targets and, you know, being clean with the footy. I think he's still finding a little bit of confidence still, but once he gets that, you'd think he is straight back into the team. So it may be um, short-term rather than long-term for Nathan. Um, and then you look at the other ones you mentioned, the two-star um you know, first-round draft picks from last year and Bill Erasmus and Matthew Johnson, um, they played in a scratch match for Peel Thunder on the weekend. They both kicked the goal apiece and they saw plenty of midfield minutes um, throughout the match. So the thing is with those two is they're probably more natural um, inside ball winners than on the wing. They've both trained on the wing this preseason, but I think they'd feel more comfortable sort of on ball, which we know is a pretty stacked position for Fremantle, um, even though their midfield hasn't quite um, got the clearance dominance we've seen from them in the past. So those two, you know, they've been performing well um, at waffle level, but maybe it is a matter of um, changing things up because, you know, Ethan Hughes, he's been a warrior for so long, but... It could be one position that the doctors sort of look at. It's such a technical position now, isn't it? Too, it's not just about how many, how much ball you win, or whether you kick goals, or whether you deliver the ball inside attacking fifty. It's providing cover defence. It's uh, it's where you position yourself in the in the zone and press defences, and and it's something that probably has to be trained. So unless they're being constantly trained, that. Uh, it would be a, a little bit of an ask probably to ask a young player to come into that role. And we've seen even on the other side of town, Campbell Chesser, I think, have five and six disposal games trying to learn that role and all the technical aspects of that role for West Coast. Hey, um, Matt Tabin has been subbed out of both games, rounds one and two. Does, do they go again with him or do you think they'll go younger with perhaps um, Amos and, uh, and Tracy? Having said that, Amos only touched the ball three times against North. Yeah, it's another really tough selection call for Fremantle. Um, obviously, Tabernard, like he's had probably the most you know um, clean pre-season he's had for a while and he was able to play a lot of, sort of match simulation minutes and the like while still being managed um, in some respect by Fremantle, given his injury history. But we've seen in the first two rounds, um, he just has been cramping up, you know, Fremantle have said, um, late in games and not being able to actually get through games, which is must be frustrating um, for someone, you know, who's already had their fair share of injuries. So I think just given his sort of structural importance, even though he hasn't exactly um, dominated the first two games of the season. I think you have to give Tappanar, um another crack at starting full forward just because he takes a bit of pressure and he probably takes number one defender, which gives um, everyone else a bit of opportunity to work their way into the game. Um, but then, you know, he's um, someone who traditionally hasn't really started seasons well either. Um, he sort of seems to take one or two games to build into the competition and find his feet a little bit before he starts to, um, you know, take games um, by the scruff of the neck, which we have seen him occasionally do, like the seven goals against Edmonton last year. So I'd be giving Tabernacle one more go. I don't think Amy's probably did enough to, to hold his spot, but it depends on where Fife's at, really. So you wrote a piece for Code Sports during the week about the Fremantle midfield and how misfiring it's uh, or how it's been misfiring. Um, talk us through that one and and how it rates in the AFL at the moment. Yeah, so Fremantle 
Rhinos midfield um, is currently the worst clearance team in the competition. Um, so across the opening two rounds, they've won the least amount of clearances out of anyone um, to finish you know, the first two rounds with an average of 29.5, um, which when you compare that to Brisbane, who are on top of the table, um, they're averaging 49 a game. So fair differential between the team. We sort of expect to be challenging for the premiership. And I think uh, um, part of it has to do with just how the Dockers are sort of getting out-muscled and outsized at stoppages. Um, you look at the sort of combination they've gone with the most, and that's been Andrew Brayshaw, Caleb Sarong, and Jager Amira. Um, usually um, Sean Darcy's in there as well. And that's been their centre bounce um, attendance at um, the majority of sort of centre bounce, you know, this year. And those three guys, those three midfielders aren't the tallest. They're not monsters like, you know, David Mundy was, who was a 197, 190 centimetres plus and, you know, 90-odd kilos who could sort of protect um, the younger midfielders and let them get to work a bit more freely. So it's a bit of an interesting one because, again, when you compare it to Brisbane, um, the Lions have Jared Berry and Josh Dunkley who are both over 190 centimetres and it's it's maybe a size issue, but, again, the doc, they haven't really been firing either. So clearance is a big issue for Fremantle. Just before I get your tip and the Glendinning medalist for the Derby, I'll give you a little bit of think time on that. Interesting story you wrote for Code on the shortage of umpires in the Perth Football League. What's happening there? Yeah, a bit of a local footy one um, to round out um, this week. And it's the Perth Football League is going to start the week after Easter. So it's coming around pretty quickly. Um, And the sort of issue they're experiencing at the moment is um, there's still 30-odd, you know, um, gaps to be filled with umpires in terms of clubs not nominating an umpire and they're still searching for them. So when you consider there's around 330 registered teams in the entire PFL, um, there's around, you know, 9, 10% of them are still searching for an umpire just a couple of weeks out for the season. So... The big issue they're finding is um, women's football is going absolutely gangbusters, as we know, with the arrival of the AFLW and clubs offering female um, teams for players to participate in. But the sort of um, registration of umpires isn't quite keeping pace with that. New umpire registrations are increasing and have increased by around 11% this year. But it's more so just the gaps getting a bit wider because of the um, surge in women's participation. Eliza, always a pleasure to talk to you. We'll be following your um, stories on Code Sports as well as uh, your coverage of the game on Sunday. Who wins, why, and who is your Glendinning Allen medalist? I think West Coast win. Um, it's going to be really tight. I don't think it's going to be a big margin either way, but I think the Eagles um, have found a bit of confidence now and they've managed to um, unlock that game style they've been promising this preseason with the fast overlap handball and running the ball out of defence, which I think will really worry the Dockers, that fast ball movement, if they can get it going um, against Fremantle. As for the Glenn Denning, Allen medalist, it's going to be a tough one because both defences are going to keep both forward lines relatively quiet, I think. I don't know if the game's going to be won in there, but... Luke Shuey, um, I think, is going to turn back the clock and he's been um, productive 
in the first two games so far, but I really like what he's offering at stoppages. So I think he could get off the leash. There you go. Co-sports Eliza Riley with her tip for the Western Derby. Thanks for joining us on the show, Eliza. If you want to have your say on who wins the Derby, you can on the Temper at Bedshed text line 0487 736 736. We'll take a break and be back with more mornings with Mark Duffield on SEN.